You're listening to the Dirty Laundry with Danny podcast. Hi, thank you for joining today on Dirty Laundry with Danny. Today's episode is a little different than my normal content. I am going to be talking about some pretty sensitive topics, so I am putting a trigger warning on today's episode. If you are sensitive to topics such as rape, sexual assault, violence against women, or any type of adult sexual sensitive nature, please turn this episode off and check back next week for my new episode. So my content is usually a lot of dating and it's pretty lighthearted for the most part and lighthearted in that the nature doesn't really take a turn for the dark. But I've been kind of sitting on this for a couple of weeks and it is something I really want to talk about because it does sit closely to me personally. And I am an advocate for a lot of women's issues. I really, frankly, don't think they're talked about enough until something violent happens. You know, you see your Vanessa Guillens or your Sarah Everard stories and the world stops. But in the meantime, we don't really talk about it. Today, we're going to just touch on violence against women, specifically rape. And what I kind of want to talk about has to do with the impact of rape on a woman and some stories relative to that. So again, my podcast is my opinion. You don't have to agree with anything that I say, um, but hopefully something that I say resonates with somebody listening. So I'm going to start today's podcast off with a poem. It's called Paper Dolls by Sierra DeMolder. And due to copyright, I have to read this poem. But I will include a link on my podcast when I publish it so that you can go and watch the video if you wish, because Sarah does it great justice and I do not. But it is worth listening to if you have a minute. We are taught from the moment we leave our pink nurseries, we are collapsible paper dolls, light to hold, easier to crumple. That as women, our worth lives secretly wrapped in lace and cotton panties, our fragility armored in pepper spray and mace. They say one in three women will be raped or sexually abused in their lifetime. I am one of three daughters. Imagine each victim is an acrobat, her sanity a balancing act. Our response is the unfailing safety net. We never expect to see her across the wire. You weren't as violated, we tell her. You are an empty museum, a gutted monument to what used to hold so much worth. With best intentions, we tell her to reclaim it. Put a price tag on her rape and own it. Don't stand too tall. Don't act too strong. We will name you denial. Come back when you are ready to crumble, like your bones are made of chalk. You can only laugh cutely or cry beautifully, so cry beautifully. We will catch you. We are calling it theft. As if you could pluck open your ribs like cello strings, pocket your breasts, steal what makes your heart flutter, and tack its wings to his wall. Some days you will feel dirty. Some weeks you'll remember how hard it is to breathe in public. But know this. The person who did this to you is broken, not you. The person who did this to you is out there, choking on the glass of his chest. It is a windshield, and his heartbeat is a baseball bat. Regret this. Regret this. Nothing was stolen from you. Your body is not a hand-me-down. There is nothing that sits inside you holding your worth, no locket that can be seen or touched, fucked from your stomach to be left on the concrete. I know it's hard to feel perfect, 
when you can't tell an Adam's apple from a fist, some ashtray of a man picked you to play his Eden, but I will not watch you collapse. When Sierra wrote in her poem that one in three women will experience a rape or a sexual assault in our lifetime, it's true. Those are the modern statistics. And if you look around you at your sisters or your friend group, for me personally, I know more than three people who have been raped or sexually assaulted. I am one of three. And in my lifetime, I've been raped. I've been sexually harassed. I've been sexually assaulted. And as a woman, what sticks out to me and I find so ironic and the hypocrisy in all of it is, and this is my interpretation of society, I guess, when you are raped, follow the rules. Do what you're supposed to do. Go through the channels, report it, and fight back and stick up for yourself and make sure that this man never does that again. With the sexual assault, same thing. Make sure that this man isn't out there doing that same thing to these women. A sexual harassment, report it to the proper channels. Report it to your employer and make sure. But then I think about how many women go through these incidents and don't really think that the incidents that have happened to them are that impactful. Here's an example. When I was in my early 20s, I sold cell phones at a kiosk. It was not my first pick of a job. It was not where I wanted to be. I hated my boss. I was in a position where I was kind of between college and finding a big girl job. And my boss was a pervert. He would make crude comments. And he wasn't much older than me, maybe I would say three or four years, if that. He'd make crude comments. He would ask crude comments. And I think just growing up in the time that I did, I never, it was strange. It was weird to hear it from your boss. It was weird to be in a position of, do I engage in this? Do I not? You know, how is this going to impact my relationship? So he would make his weird comments and say his weird things. And then I would text my best friend and tell her and it wasn't reported. and. It, it just was very odd behavior. And he wasn't a good looking, he was a creepy, chubby looking dude. Like this guy couldn't get a girlfriend if one landed on him. So long story short, he continues his behavior and we had sales reps that would come in and we had a couple that refused to come back to our kiosk because of how disgusting he was. Even with corporate knowing this, they never did anything about it. Then came a time where I didn't have a cell phone I didn't have a cell phone. This was like way early. Well, not early 2000s. It was like close to 2010. But like I was in my early 20s. I was going through a hard time. I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have a cell phone. He's like, you need a cell phone. I have one at home. I'm going to bring it for you. So I said, okay. So I get it. It gets activated on a company plan that they have. And I take it home with me. There's nothing on this phone. There's one video. And on this phone one video is my boss masturbating and I immediately told my best friend and then we deleted it there was no I mean yes the behavior was awful it was crude and disgusting and I never looked at him the same way subsequently he got fired for doing some other stuff that he wasn't supposed to be doing but it was never relative to the sexual harassment that he deployed but looking back as an adult woman to younger me, I should have done something 
Because who's to say that this disgusting man isn't going to go and victimize another young girl or another young woman or even somebody younger than me? He ended up getting married and having kids, but like that's not behavior that is just, oh, it's a young guy being a young guy. And that is the excuses that we give these men. And I'm not a man hater. I don't think all men are rapists and perverts and abusers. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there are types of men and that is where it begins is where this behavior starts and nothing is done about it. And they continue to get worse or continue with their patterns of behavior. I'm lucky that it never got worse, that it never escalated to something else. And I never talked about it with my coworkers. I never exposed it to anyone except to my best friend. I think later in time I had ended up telling my dad or somebody in my family. But yes, you're you're given the groundwork and the framework to take the steps when something like this is done to you. But why does it always have to be done to you? You know what I mean? Why are we not teaching men to not be complete pieces of shit? To not be abusers, to not be sexual predators, to not be harassers. And it's like, had I spoken up, and this was before the Me Too movement and women started to openly speak out about, and I don't want to call it trendy, but I don't, it wasn't as popular as it is today where you do have the platform to speak out about these things and you are going to be heard and it isn't going to be such a red mark on your forehead if you do say things. And, you know, I remember coming home with my best friend from, I think we were coming home from a club or something. And we stopped at one of those like late night taco places. And these two guys had gotten off their car in the parking lot and were being gross. They were catcalling and being disgusting men. And I had bent over into my back seat for something and one of them came behind me and grabbed my ass. And I don't mean just like pinched my ass. I mean, like he went in for a full grabber by the pussy ass grab. And we called the cops because how are you going to go up to a random woman in a parking lot and do that to her? When the cops got there, they didn't give a shit. They could care less. They looked at us like, how dare you waste our time? And that is the behavior that I'm talking about of these people who are supposed to advocate for you and teach men, but instead we're teaching women how to keep themselves safe from men. So in Sierra de Mulder's poem, she basically, and this is my interpretation of it, she basically states, you go through this assault and you have to walk delicately through it because if you cry too much or you don't cry the right way, then you're not doing it right. If you don't do enough of it, then you're in denial. If you do it for too long, you're broken and damaged. But at the end of it, you, you're not the broken and damaged one. The man who did this to you is broken and damaged. And for every beat of his heart, as long as he lives, he will have to suffer the internal consequences until it shatters his soul. And, and I do believe that. I do stand with what Sierra says or the interpretation of it. And I just don't think that's taught enough. I think that as me, an adult woman, growing up, you're taught how to keep safe from predators. You're taught what to do in these situations and how to keep yourself out of these situations. But you're not taught that men are being taught not to be this way. So as a woman, I have to grow up and 
teach my daughters and nieces and those who come after me of how to keep themselves safe. Don't walk through a park at night. Don't walk home alone. There is safety in numbers. Make sure to call somebody. Make sure they know where you're at. Use an app. Blah, blah. But what are we doing to create men who aren't these monsters? And that is my huge issue with society. And I have argued with this on this with people. I have had conversations on it. And it seems that society itself is stuck on this idea that boys will be boys. And I am just not a believer in that. Um, Not when it comes to rape, not when it comes to sexual assault, not when it comes to any kind of violence against women or anything else for that matter that is awful, disgusting behavior. And the same when it comes to cheating or disrespect or treating women like they're less than. The level of misogyny that is run in society today is mind-blowing to me. I know from my personal experiences, and I can only speak to my experiences and interpret them in my way, is that the support is there in black and white. We, we say, do X, Y, Z if this happens to you. Here are the steps you should follow. But we're not doing anything to fix the problem as a whole. So a story that really sits in my mind and comes to my mind is the story of Sarah Everard. So Sarah, excuse me. Sarah Everard was a young woman who was murdered in London, England, back at the beginning of the pandemic. She was murdered March 3rd, 2020. She was kidnapped, raped, and murdered by a police constable or a man who identified himself as a police officer. He was off duty. Um, His name was Wayne Cousins. Wayne had decided that he was going to target somebody for this crime, this violent crime. It wasn't Sarah in particular that he was targeting. It was any woman that would have met him at this time and place at the, the time the incident occurred. He had stopped Sarah, basically telling her that she was in violation of the COVID restrictions and that she was being arrested. And so there were multiple people who witnessed her kidnapping and did nothing to stop it because it looked like a legitimate arrest the Metropolitan Police Department in London. Sarah was on the phone with her boyfriend. She, you know, what doing what you're told to do, make sure you're on the phone with somebody that somebody knows, you know, where you're going and what's happening. And she followed what she was supposed to be doing, but then she was stopped by a police officer. They later found her body not far from where cousins owned property in a area near Ashford in Kent in England. And then following the identification of her body, Cousins was charged with her kidnapping and murder. The response to Sarah's kidnapping and murder was controversial for several reasons. So Sarah's family had asked that people not publicly gather because of the COVID restrictions. And then her vigil ended up turning into a protest. The protest that was met with police force and brutality. So people showed up to pay their respects. It did turn into a protest. It was not a quiet scene. And then the police met them with force. Four people were arrested at her her vigil. And I think all around it was disheartening. You have a young woman who was doing everything she was supposed to be doing, taking the precautions, and a member of the government, somebody that you're supposed to trust, a police officer, stopped her and took her life. 
we teach our children that police officers are safe. And if a police officer can't be safe, then what do you teach your kids? And I don't believe all police officers are bad. I don't believe that all men are rapists. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that she did everything that she was supposed to do, and this still happened to her. So we're teaching our women to follow the rules, to be safe, do what you're supposed to do, and this still happened to her. The police were very upset about the gathering at Sarah's vigil, obviously because of the height of COVID, COVID spreading. There were videos, media, pictures of protesters on the ground, protesters being tackled, all kinds of police force. And most people just came out to pay their respects to Sarah. They were really upset by the police response to her kidnapping and murder. And I see both sides of it. I see people who were upset that the crowd gathered against the parents' wishes. But I also see a society of women who were fed up They were fed up with not feeling safe in their homes and their local environments, their cities, their country. And to be met by force by the police, when a police officer just took this woman's life, it was kind of a hypocrisy. On top of that, what started to trend in response to this vigil was a hashtag, not all men. And so men were posting responses basically saying on social media, not all men. So like, not all men are rapists. Not all men would do this to a woman, but it was a man. Maybe not all men, but it was a man. And it kind of turned into this mocking haha joke because the response itself really showed the type of men that were out there that were capable of doing something like this. The men who responded that thought this was funny, that commented disgusting, illicit, gross, sexual, crude things on articles and social media posts and videos relative to this incident. You know, the men who had come out and said, you know, not all men and were posting things in opposition to the hashtag itself. And it really identified that this is a bigger problem than we see it to be, you know, right in front of our eyes. And is it all men? No, it's not. But it's always that lingering feeling of you could be that man. It could be that man. You know what I mean? And as a woman, you just never know when your safety is at risk. And there are women who follow all of the precautions and this still happens to them. Another story that comes to mind is the story of Vanessa Guillen, a Fort Hood soldier who disappeared April 22 of 2020. I remember the story distinctly. So Vanessa was a soldier. She was Latina. And it sparked a lot of attention because it drew a lot of outrage from women in the military and the Latino community. So there was a documentary on Netflix called I Am Vanessa Guillen, and it examined her life, death, and it follows her family's journey for justice. So it took a long time for Vanessa's story to, one, reach publicity to to have any type of response criminally and for charges to come about for it. It was also raised that there were allegations that she had been sexually harassed before she was killed and that had been reported to the military police. Respectfully, neither one of what happened to these women should have ever happened. And the response to it was terrible. If you're looking at it country by country, the United States 
handled it awfully in compared to how the UK handled it. But UK police did come out and say, you know, obviously this is a travesty. It's not a reflection of our police force, but their actions kind of spoke badly about them in the way they reacted at the vigil. The military tried to sweep Vanessa's murder under the rug, just like they had swept her allegations of rape and sexual assault. It's a sad world you live in where you can't trust the people that are supposed to keep you safe. And for me, each story kind of touches me a little bit and hits me where it hurts because I'm a victim of rape. And I hate that word victim. I don't use it. I rarely talk about my assault, to be honest, anymore. But I was assaulted by a Marine down in Camp Pendleton. When I had gone to report it, I was told by the military police that it was he said, she said, and basically I shouldn't even bother reporting it because it wouldn't matter anyway. These are people that are supposed to keep you safe, and they're, they're not. Then the Me Too movement happens. You have your Harvey Weinsteins and the men in Hollywood, and that's kind of when society took a really big hit on the assault and violence against women, and that's when it really started coming to the forefront. But why did it take so long? Why does it take incidents like that to happen, like Vanessa and Sarah, for people to take notice that this is such a big issue? Backtracking, I know so many people who have gone through assaults, rapes. They've been sexually abused, assaulted, harassed. I don't know one man who's been prosecuted for their behavior. I don't know one man who has had to face the consequences of what they've done to a woman. And I know maybe a dozen women who've had had something done to them. Our mindset, again, even though we're taught and we're told, do X, Y, Z if something happens to you, our mindset is so warped and so different that when I was sexually assaulted in the parking lot, after that, I was like, I'm not reporting anything to the police. The police make you feel like you're the one doing something wrong and wasting their time. After my rape, I didn't want to talk to anybody really about it. And I didn't know how to navigate that because I was in so much pain emotionally that what do I do? Who do I go to for help? And, and I did feel so lonely. I felt like I had nobody in my corner. The sexual harassment, you brush it off because you think, this isn't what they're talking about in those videos that you have to watch when you go to sexual harassment training. This isn't it. This is just some weird guy being a weird dude. Like, that's not relative to what I'm supposed to report, you know? And I think that women are afraid of being seen as overreacting or being hysterical or dramatic. And there are stories of women who cry wolf about being raped. And then it comes out that they didn't. And now they've flushed this young man's life down the toilet. And so I know it goes both ways. I do know that there are two sides to every story, but I think we need to focus more on teaching our sons to grow up to be respectful men who don't rape, who don't commit sexual assaults, who don't abuse and are not predators. Instead of teaching our young women the rules and the regulations and the steps to keep themselves safe, because sometimes it doesn't work. 
there are stories, dozens of them, of women who did what they were supposed to do, and these things still happen to them. And I don't know if society is just numb to it, or we just don't know what to do anymore. But when these women speak out like they did in Sarah's pro, you know, vigil, they should be heard, not met with force from police officers. And is our country or is the world as a whole just culturally in our Western civilizations, are we just so far gone that we don't even know how to reestablish a response to this that's appropriate? And and that's where I get, I'm very vigilant, you know, as, as a woman who's gone through those things, especially when I'm with my nieces or other women. A couple of weeks ago, I was at the gym and there was this young girl. She was probably about maybe 20. She was working out and she was a cute girl. Like you should be able to go to the gym and it be your safe space. Like you should be able to go in and do what you want to do. And if you don't want to pay attention to anybody, not be called a bitch, not be, you know, made to feel like there's something wrong with you for not wanting to engage with anybody that's there to do your thing and leave. And she was working out in front of me on a machine. And this guy came up to her who, in my opinion, was not somebody that she probably would have paid attention to had he not come up to her. And he was talking to her, but you could tell she was very uncomfortable just by her body language. And I don't know if he got the hint or he just finished what he was saying, but then he ended up walking away. But as soon as he walked away, she kind of stood up. She looked around as to like assess maybe where he was going and what direction. So obviously, I don't know what was said to her, but her vigilance heightened after that interaction. And then she grabbed her stuff and left. And I remember thinking, should I go up to her and like, just ask her if she's okay, but I don't really want to make something out of nothing. And now I'm kicking myself because I should have went up to her. I should have asked her, Hey, is everything okay? Like, did you know that guy? Because it's not fair that she had to go into a space where she was just doing something she normally does. A man made her feel uncomfortable and she had to leave. Like, just be respectful. Be respectful of a woman's space and be respectful of the fact that we have to be careful everywhere we go. That when I get into my car, I have to make sure my doors are locked. When I stop at a a stop sign or a red light, I double check that my doors are locked. When I have my nieces with me, I don't take my eyes off of them because in five seconds, somebody could steal them and they could be trafficked and I would never see them again. You know, you, you don't walk in parking lots at night or walk alone without pepper spray or they sell alarms for women to go on your keychains in pink, purple, blue, yellow, red, every color of the rainbow because women need to be safe. I've never seen a man carry a safety alarm to walk his dog or pepper spray to walk his dog. And I think it's just lost on men as a whole that women have to be alert all the time, all the time. And I mean, from the time that we may wake up, even when our eyes are closed, it's summertime right now. So a lot of people sleep with their windows open, right? I have to lock my window. Every night before I go to bed, I make sure that my window is open just enough to get airflow, but also locked and closed so that somebody doesn't come climbing through my window in the middle of the night like Richard Ramirez. I don't know a man who thinks about those things before they go to sleep. When the doorbell rings, 
we have security doors on all of our, our doors because just in case, just in case that person comes to your door for safety, you know, and, and there are people who do things like that. And then there are people who don't, but not everybody thinks about their safety constantly. And I don't even say I consciously think about it anymore. It just becomes second nature when you, and I, I think as a woman, if you stop and think, do I really think about that? No, you don't. It's just an instinct. You just make sure that you're safe and you have to trust your gut all the time. That intuition that you feel, that gut feeling that's telling you not to do something, always listen to it. Don't ever second guess yourself because I can't tell you how many situations that I've been in where my gut is telling me to not do something and I, I listen to it. And then I think back, oh my God, what would have happened had I not? Women's intu- intuition is so strong. Listen to it. I don't have anything else to add to that. But as a woman, you're gifted with this sense. And maybe it is because of years and generations of grooming us to keep ourselves safe. But always listen to your intuition and continue to speak up for yourself. If you find yourself in a situation where you're being sexually harassed, say something. Even if you, you're afraid that you may look stupid or your coworkers may think less of you or they're going to make fun of you, do it. Because I promise you, adult you is going to look back at young you and say, I wish I would have said something. Because you also don't know what kind of pervert that man is or woman. I mean, there are women who are either disgusting humans or accomplices to men like that. So speak up. And if I could go back to me at the time that my assault happened, I would have fought harder. I would have fought harder for me and I would have stood my ground and I would have remembered and kept telling myself that I'm not broken and that I'm not damaged and the destruction that it did to my self-esteem, my already fragile self-esteem. I wouldn't have let it go that far because I was a very broken person after this happened. I would love to say that there are resources for women. There are resources, but there are resources that I personally do not advocate for. I would reach out to, obviously, your local police department. If you're going to the hospital for a rape kit to make sure to speak to a social worker or a patient advocate right away, make sure you have somebody in your corner who's like a friend or a family member that you trust. And as soon as somebody says something that is triggering or countering to the experience that you've gone through to cut your ties or cut that relationship with them because it's not healthy for you and your healing process. If you choose to revisit that relationship in the future, that's completely up to you. But as you work through whatever trauma or incident you're working through, it is best to cut ties with people who are not going to be your support system. And there are organizations that are out there. I will list some of those in the description of my podcast, but there are some that I I don't advocate for and I'm not going to mention those. I just think it's really important for us as a society to shift our mindset because this continues every day. Every day there's a news article, every day there's a story, every day there's a TikTok or Facebook post or an Instagram post. And I'm tired of the deja vu. I'm tired of it keep that it keeps happening. And as we as women get older, 
the generation that comes after us, it continues to happen to them. And I'm tired of seeing it. If you need somebody to talk to, you feel free to email me. You can PM me on socials. And I don't mean for me to share your story. I just mean if you need somebody to support you. Um, And then also speak to a counselor. There's so many counselors out there. You have to find a therapist that works for you. There's therapists that are religious-based. There's therapists that are not religion-based. There are people associated with your college. And find people that are going to help you navigate through what you're going through. And just know that you can't do it alone. You need that support system to work through an assault or a rape. And sometimes even a sexual harassment. And there are women out there who think like me, who are like me. And there, there is a support group for you, even if it's not your inner circle, who are willing to go to bat for you and advocate for you and walk you through the situation that you may be experiencing. But really the whole point of my podcast today was to just touch on a lot of what I've been seeing and how damaging it is. And I guess just put the question out there of like, when does it stop? When, when does society change their way of thinking because we've been fighting for this shit for the last 70 80 years and if you're a mother of a little boy or you have nephews to be that teacher to teach them how to be respectful of women and to stop posting these fucking stupid tiktoks of i'm gonna teach my son this so that a woman doesn't blah 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 or i'm gonna teach my son this so he never lets your crusty daughter blah 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 I think moms need to be advocates together for their children, sons and daughters. But I think moms with sons have a huge pull in the direction that we're going as women and to raise good men. There will always be bad seeds. You will always have bad apples in the bunch. But I think it's just the way that we think as a whole that needs to shift. and. Maybe one day I will share the details of my story. I'm not ready for that quite yet, but it's just something that I've thought about over the last couple of months of, I don't think it's talked about enough. I don't think it's advocated for enough. And I'm tired of seeing it only come up when a huge incident happens. There should be no more Sarah's, no more Vanessa's. I I just think, I think one is too many, you know, and there are thousands every day. It's just really disheartening. But that's my podcast for today. If you want to be a guest on my podcast, feel free to DM me or email me. I'm on all socials. You can also email me at dirtylaundrywithdanny at gmail.com. And I look forward to speaking to you next week or speaking to you, not with you, but thank you. Bye.